Amen. Let's give it up to the Lord, a hand clap this morning of the worship and praise do his name. Amen. Amen. It is great to be with you here this morning. So blessed that you are here or you are with us online. We are blessed to have multiple people online and multiple people in the house of the Lord together to hear the word of God, to praise his name because he is worthy. Amen. Amen. Let us take time out of our busy weeks and all the busyness and all the news that we hear to hear the good news message of Christ. Amen. Jonah is where we're landing this morning. We finished our series in the gospel and life. We have moved past Ephesians. I don't know if we will ever move past Ephesians because it's a tremendous book, but we are moving on to the Old Testament, to Jonah, which points us to Christ. Jonah is a fascinating book. And in a time in which the storm rages in our world, we see what God is up to amidst the storm. Often we look at this story and we think to ourselves, it's about a runaway prophet or it's about a big fish. But really the story in itself is about God. It is about his nature in pursuit of us, his people, in pursuit of sinners, declaring the good news message. The story is about God coming down to us and bringing us up with him. When you read this story in the Hebrew, which I'm sure many of you will, that was a joke. You can laugh at that. Some of you may know Hebrew, but most of you do not. But when you read it in the Hebrew, it has many literary guides to help you understand what God is doing in this story. One of those we can see actually in the English is the theme of Jonah going down. He goes down after the Lord tells him to arise and go to Nineveh. He goes down to Joppa. Then he goes down into the inner part of the ship. Then he goes down into the sea. And ultimately, he goes down to the bottom of the sea in the belly of a fish. You see, ultimately, God would meet him there in the depths of the sea when he would be running from God. And ultimately, God would come down to us in the form of Christ. And Jesus himself would come down to dwell among men. But he would be, go even lower than that. He would become a servant, but not just a servant. He would be, become humiliated to the point of death. Not just any death, but death on a cross. And he would go lower to be buried in a tomb only to raise from the dead and ascend into heaven in which one day he will take us with him into heaven. 
You see, the story of Jonah is about you and it's about me. Each year during Yom Kippur, the Jews will read the story of Jonah in their synagogues. And at the conclusion of their reading, they will say in unison, we are Jonah. It is the cry of the people of God who are confronted with the reality of the question, are you willing to risk it all to seek the face of God? Are you willing to obey God no matter what the cost is, even if it's losing your life? This is Jonah, and we're going to enter into Jonah chapter 1. You may have a little bit trouble finding it in your Bibles. Hopefully you're looking for it there. It is in the midst of all of the Star Wars minor prophets, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Nahum, all of the, these right here in the middle of the Old Testament minor prophets. Jonah is right there. So if you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we're going to try and read chapter one together so that you have the full story. Get ready. Here it is. Jonah chapter one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, go, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. He had lain down and was fast asleep." So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea might quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this temptest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to try to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. 
So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to our life today. For your word is full of truth. Father, may we find the truth of who you are according to your word, how you are working, even when we don't see it, Lord. How you move people back into right relationship with you. And Father, we ask this morning that you would speak the truth into our hearts and our minds to be able to understand what you are saying to us today. Through the prophet Jonah, through the story of this man, Lord, speak into our life today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? I've heard that countless times in counseling sessions, dealing with marital issues, dealing with addictions, making decisions in one's life. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? Yes, God wants you to be happy, but he wants your joy to come from him, not your circumstances. Your happiness is to exude from your relationship with God, nothing else. In Jonah's case, Jonah was only going to be happy if Nineveh was judged by God. He, his happiness was based on the downfall and the demise of someone else. Assyria was a wicked people. Nineveh, a wicked city, de deserving the wrath of God. But Jonah committed the ultimate act of racism. He was not willing to go to a certain people to preach the word of God. Jonah and his people, no doubt, in fact, have been wronged by the Assyrians. These Assyrians committed heinous and vile acts against people. Yet when it came time for the grace of God to come upon Nineveh, those people, Jonah wanted nothing to do with it. Jonah made a choice to wallow in self-pity and pride instead of seeking the presence of God. Look at Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. This is Jonah's heart. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country 
That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. After the Lord grants grace and mercy upon Nineveh, Jonah is angry and he tells us why he fled from the presence of God. He reveals his heart. You see, God has called his people to radical forgiveness, gospel-like forgiveness. It is God's nature in himself to pursue sinners and enemies and use them to share the love that God has for us with them. I can remember one of the missionaries that we talked to a couple years back. He was my age, has three or four children. And he told a story when he was first coming to the country of Mozambique and he was driving home late at night. You don't drive late at night in the darkness in Africa. It's not a good thing. And he was driving home late at night and in a village as he was passing through, they set a trap for him. They laid someone down on the road hoping that the person in the car would overcorrect and flip the vehicle. And that's exactly what happened. He was severely injured, he broke his leg and he was bleeding and he couldn't move. And they began to take everything out of his car and they left him there on the side of the road. And one man stayed behind. The missionary was trying to protect his phone and he got his phone out of his pocket and he asked the man to dial it for him. The man took his phone and left him for dead. The missionary eventually got help laying there for hours on the side of the road all sorts of emotions raging inside of him. How could he love these people? How could he live here? There he said, this is when the gospel came alive to me, that we were once enemies with God, having rebelled against him, yet God so loved us that he would be willing to die for us. The missionary said later, that he went back to the village. And in that village, he would share the story of Christ, the forgiveness and the love that Christ had, that he would lay down his life for them. And he would tell these people in the village why he had come to them. And he said, in that very village, they had the most conversions of Christ to any place that they went to. Lord, help us have the heart of God. Help Northwest have the heart of God. Help us to pursue and love people. Help us to see, Lord, how you pursued us in the midst of our rebellion. 
Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. This is our first point this morning. Just as the word of God came to Jonah, the word of God has come to us. Just as the word of God came to Jonah, the word of God has come to us. You see, as we read this story, we see that God will not take no for an answer. He will accomplish all that he desires. We can try to fight God, but that will never work. As we see in this story, it will not work out very well. Jonah was a prophet during the time of King Jeroboam. In 2 Kings 14.25, it tells us that he was one of the known prophets of Israel. He is like the Billy Graham of his time. He is a man who speaks the word of God. And the word comes to Jonah. Just as the word of God has came to Jonah to tell him to go to a specific people group and share the message of repentance and declare that God's judgment is coming, the word of God has come to you, his church. Whatever reason you're here this morning, maybe it's because your parents brought you. Maybe it's because you're a third generation in this church or maybe you're here because the Lord directed your steps or you just happened to tune in online. The word of God is coming to you. You see, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We see Christ himself giving a word, a task, a mission to his church. We call it the Great Commission. And it says, we are to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I, Christ, have commanded you. You see, this is what the church is supposed to be about. This is the mission that he has given to us. We are to proclaim the gospel. We are to be in discipleship relationships with others. And we are to be on mission. We are to go to those who do not know the gospel and proclaim it. Let me ask you this question this morning, church. Are you engaged in the mission of God? Jonah was a prophet. He understood the word of God, yet rejected God's plan for him to fulfill God's mission for his life. God's command to Jonah was to go, to arise and go to Nineveh, God's command to his church is to stand up, to go and make disciples of all nations. 
God tells Jonah to go to a specific people in a specific city for a specific purpose. This story is not unique. God continues to raise up people for specific purposes, for specific people, for a specific city. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. You see, the evil city of Nineveh has come up to the nostrils of God, and he sends his man to call them to repentance. Nineveh, as we've said, is a wicked city. Wickedness is great amongst most cities. But in Nineveh, they would torture their enemies. They would showcase their piles of skulls, hides of skins of humans, to make sure that the people knew that if they messed with Nineveh, you're liable to get burned. Their wickedness had reached a point where it reached God and he was going to enact a special judgment for these people. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This, this verse reminds me of Genesis 4.16, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. As Cain goes away from the presence of the Lord, Jonah, a prophet of God, does the same. Often we look at our life and think, oh, we're really not that bad. We look at that person and what they have done and we think to ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of good. Jonah's a moral, upstanding guy. Second Kings actually praises Jonah for what he's doing. Yet Jonah has the sin of omission. James 4.17 says this, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Instead of desiring to seek the face of God, Jonah wanted to flee the presence of God. Why? Why? Because his heart attitude was not aligned with the heart of God. And I, and I like this, this next statement. He, he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish. He just so happens to find this ship that is going in the opposite direction from the Lord, from where the Lord has told him to go. Remember the enemy and his tactics. Doubt the goodness of God. Doubt the word of God. Is God really good to save these people like Nineveh? Does he really want to put my life in jeopardy to call them to Repentance? Maybe he just provided this ship as, as a way to show me that this is not the way I am supposed 
to go. The Lord said no. The, the, the Lord said go. The prophet said no. Jonah puts down some money to go on this ship. He paid a fare. 1,500 miles in the opposite direction. He's running. No doubt, going to a ruthless city and telling them to repent that the judgment of God is coming upon them is an impossible task. Yet that is what exactly what God has told Jonah to do. What has God called you to do? That you are running from God. Has he called you to a difficult marriage? Has he called you to have difficult children? Has he called you to a job that is not as rewarding as you want it to be? Has he called you to share with the people that may not look like you? Has he called you to church that may not have it all together? Has he called you to live in maybe not the best neighborhood? Has he called you to share with someone who has wronged you? Has he called you to love who is not deserving of God's grace? I mean, the ship is always waiting for you, right? The ship is always there. This is where our feelings and circumstances do not trump the word of God. There will be always be another woman who will just happen to be there when your marriage is struggling or another man just ready to set sail off into the sunset. Some will say, well, I had this peace in my heart to not obey the Lord. Genesis 3, the role of Satan was to give the woman a peace about disobeying God. It's okay. The fruit is good for food, pleasing to the eyes. You won't die. And the ship may be here, Jonah's peace, yet it is going against the word of God. Let the word of God be our light, not our feelings. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Jonah said, here I am, send someone else. Verse four, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God. They're having a, they're having a prayer meeting here on the ship and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down in the innermost part of the ship. He had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Jonah tried to get on a ship 1,500 miles away, yet he could not escape the Lord. This is our second point this morning. God pursues us even in our rebellion. God pursues us even in our rebellion. 
The prophet had forgotten that man cannot run from God. Psalm 139, 7 says this, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I free, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You see clearly in verse four, it is God who is causing the storm. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Jonah somehow is in this deep sleep, almost as if he is oblivious of the storm that he has created around him. Some of us are like that. We rebel against God in our life. We don't realize our sin creeps into the life of those around us, our family, our friends, our church. And we find ourselves asleep while everyone around us is trying to keep the ship afloat. These pagan sailors begin to call out to their gods. They begin pulling out, probably pulling out their amulets and calling out to their mute and deaf idols. It, re it realizes right now, the time that we're in, in the midst of the storm, people are going to cry out for something. May we be there to declare the good news message of Christ. May we be there to point them to the God. And Jonah, who is there to tell them about Christ, is asleep. He's nowhere to be found as he sinks lower and lower into his state of self-pity and depression. The pagan captain calls him out. I love, I love the, the imagery here of these, these pagan sailors calling out the man of God. Verse six, so the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Call out to your God, Jonah. We see here, Jonah will not make his destination. And this is what really happens in spiritual rebellion, in sin. It's costly. Jonah pays for this trip, yet you never really get what you paid for. He will never arrive to Tarshish. It's the same as sin. You never get what you paid for. In the end, it will cost you everything, but you will never get what you really paid for. On the other side of that, spiritual devotion and obedience to God, it will cost you something, but God always pays you back. The rewards and the blessings of God as a result of obedience is endless. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. There is no chance. There is no fate. God is sovereignly in control. 
Proverbs 16, 33 says this. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is for the Lord. Casting lots, rolling dice. That's what they're doing here. And it comes upon Jonah. They do it multiple times. It comes upon Jonah. They do it again. It comes upon Jonah. Why? Because God is in control. God is graciously exposing the sin of Jonah. He is laying him bare for everyone around him to see his sin. Only when we are exposed is the grace of God begin to work in our life and God is graciously allowing Jonah and the people around him to see his sin so that he can deal with his sin. Verse eight. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Where are you people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. I fear him, but I'm not obedient to him. But who made the sea and the dry land? Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Isn't it interesting? The the pagan sailors get up and call out to your God. And then they say here, what have you done, Jonah? Right here in the midst of the battle, Jonah is saying, I believe in God. I fear God. I'm just not willing to budge in this one area of my life. For us, that's a real hard place to be. I'm willing to give this up, but not this. I'm willing to give up my Sunday morning, but not my tithe. I'm willing to call myself a Christian, but not share the gospel with those in my workplace. I'm willing to go across the street, but not to Africa or Indonesia. I just can't. It's almost comical how much this relates to us. Verse 12. He said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Some think this is Jonah realizing he must give himself up for the sake of the others. That Jonah is coming to himself, that he's willing to lay down his life for those on the ship. But if you look at the narrative of Jonah, he's still going down. He's going down, down into the sea, and he will go down into the belly of the whale. This is another act of rebellion. Why not just say, turn the ship around to Nineveh, repent, and go God's way? Jonah is declaring, I'd rather die in the sea than preach to Nineveh. The men don't want to throw Jonah overboard, so they continue to row towards land. Not the smartest thing to do. To have a rowing contest against the Lord God Almighty who created the land and the sea, but that's what they choose to do. 
And something happens here. Something happens here that is incredible, and I don't want you to miss this. Verse 14. Therefore they called, this is the sailors, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is our third point this morning. God has made a provision for his people, even amidst of our sin. God has made provision for his people, even in our sin. First thing, we see the provision for the mariners. We see the provision for the sailors. The storm ceased when Jonah is given his life for the men. Even here, we do see the message of the gospel, Jesus taking the wrath of God upon himself so that we might live. But notice something here. In verse 16, notice the response of the pagan sailors. As the provision is given for salvation, their response to this gospel message of someone laying their life down for them, God taking his wrath off of them, what is their response? Their response is they feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice and made vows. This is the conversion of the sailors. They sacrifice a sign of gratitude, a sign of thanksgiving. This is what Noah does when he leaves the ark. It is a sacrifice to the, to the Lord, an attitude, an offering of praise to him for what he has done. Then they make vows. They devote themselves to God for the future. We often don't think of salvation in this light, but thanksgiving for past mercy and devotion to future grace, that's what God does in his salvation. This is what it is. Believe in Christ and repent thanksgiving for the mercy of God and which is placed upon Christ on the cross and looking forward to walking in the manner worthy of our calling, looking forward to the future grace, devoting ourselves to obedience unto the Lord because of the gospel. And then you get to verse 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This again is God's provision for Jonah. He's in the middle of the ocean. 
It's a controversial verse, but it isn't controversial for me. Even Jonah says in verse 9, I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry lands. You see, the God who created the sea and everything in it commands the seas. He quiets the storm. He brings the storm about. He appoints a great fish to hold Jonah so that he can point us to the greater prophet who is coming, who is Christ. Unbelievers cite this verse as saying, well, this is why the Bible is not true. Man cannot live in the belly of fish for three days. But the reality is, is that if you believe the first verse of the Bible, then you can believe verse 17. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There are fish big enough to swallow man. We know that. There are stories of people living inside of fish for a period of time. Whether they're true or not, I do not know. But I do know this. God created the fish, and he put Jonah in the fish. And then the fish spit him out. And I do know this, he parted the Red Sea and caused the Israelites to walk on dry ground. I know that he caused the sun to stand still so that Joshua could finish the battle. I know that he protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. I believe God shut the mouth of the lions in the days of Daniel when he was cast into the lion's den. I believe Jesus turned water into wine. Why? Because on Friday, Jesus died, and on Sunday, he was resurrected from the dead. Amen? Jesus actually refers to Jonah as a real event with real people, as a real story in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. No sign will be given it to except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Amen? You see, Jonah points us to something even greater. It is our need for Christ, our need for a Savior, why? Because we are not only Jonah, in which we had gone our own direction away from God's design for our life in sin, but we are Nineveh. We are the sinners in which the wrath of God is coming for us, and yet God has made provision through Christ. It is the sign of Jonah. 
the one who will be in the tomb for three days and rise from the death, conquering sin and death and declaring victory that we may have life, that we may be spared. This is the promise of God. No matter how low you are, no matter how far you have run, Next week, we'll see Jonah's repentance at the bottom. But no matter how far you have gone, how low you have gone, repent and turn to the God who pursues you with everything in order to save you. He wanted to save Jonah for one purpose and one purpose alone so that he could save Nineveh. Maybe God wants to change your life radically, not just for you, but the person sitting next to you, for your children, for the person across the street from you, from the person in another country in which you go on a mission trip. God said to Jonah, I'm not going to leave you until you go with me. Lord, we must yield. We must trust. But we know that mercy did not run out on Jonah and God spared his life. Mercy doesn't run out on us. Let's pray.